In one of the opening scenes from The Silence of the Lambs, Agent Clarice Starling, a visibly nervous FBI recruit played by Jodie Foster, interacts with a confined Dr. Hannibal Lecter, played by Sir Anthony Hopkins. You know the famous line, oh, hello, Clarice. as one of the most iconic moments in American cinema. I remember how creeped out I was seeing Dr. Lecter stare at Clarice from inside his cage, sniffing the air and naming her exact perfume. No thanks. Clearly the novelist Thomas Harris dreamed up this scene from his own psyche, right? Robert Maudsley, four-time convicted murderer, is not only known as Hannibal the Cannibal, but is also known as Spoons. I'll leave you to wonder how that nickname stuck. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. We finally got a hint again, um, and so the hint for this evening was Spoon. So Jen had the brilliant idea to do some boozy ice cream. Yeah, because I tried looking up spoon cocktails, and the only thing that came up was cocktail spoons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we could have just like put one in whatever drink we wanted, I guess. Yeah, but that's not fun. We took it to the next level, which was making floats. Yeah, that's pretty we good. We said boozy ice cream. True confession, I probably ruined it a little bit by using Zevia um, soda. I had never tried it before, but... Is that like Stevia? Yeah, it's soda made with Stevia. So I, I was telling Jen I felt super guilty. I ate like pretty much an entire box of Cheez-Its myself last night. And so felt like I needed to balance today. What kind of ice cream is this? Chocolate. It's it's hard scoops chocolate ice cream. Which has liquor in it. Booze in it. Yeah. What I was of- really worried that when I went to the store, I was like, oh no, is are they gonna be taking it away because they put it in the portable freezers? Yeah. Oh. And I was like, crap, where is it? So I eventually found it. It's do you find it at Teats over by the yeah. beer? Yeah. I didn't see it when I passed because I did pick up some beer because we are literally literally out of beer. Um, That's a sin. I know. Well, I was really trying to like get rid of some of the stuff that we were not particularly good big fans of. Yeah, like the Bud Light. Yeah, which I just threw out the other two bottles. So, so I in my mind I thought I had already walked by where it was, but I guess I didn't. So when I went to the, you know, ice cream aisle and I couldn't find it, I freaked out. But lo and behold, success. Yes. Um, and it's funny that it like I just was thinking because since. Since I moved away, I feel like your beer intake has dwindled significantly. Yeah. Because I think that was, I don't even remember the last time you guys bought beer from the wedding, maybe? Um, I've bought, maybe bought like a six pack here or there, but I, I really have been trying to, one, since the new year, stop drinking on days not recording. And in the winter, I actually prefer to drink wine. Yeah. So... For this is kind of embarrassing. Stocking up for Thanksgiving and Christmas, we have gone through at least two cases of wine. At least. Wait, you say we? You need to turn that W upside down. You enjoy the wine, too. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> I only drink hard whiskey and scotch. False. You uh, like wine, but I feel like I I need I was 
for a while not drinking while we were recording. And then I was just like, I really want a beer. And then I just stopped that. Um, and now I buy probably a case of beer a week. It's bad. I mean, it's, you know. But I don't ever get. It's a guilty get, pleasure. I it's do, hard to not. Yeah. It's like, it, it's there's some nights where I'm like, oh, my God, a glass of wine would just make me feel so much better. But I'm really trying really trying hard not to i you know what i'm gonna start over i think once i run out of beer yeah and i'm not gonna buy any more beer what do you drink like beer every night no not every night what kind of beer is it it's that um the hazy little thing that you're yeah 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 that's got a lot of carbs and sugar why don't you try to switch to like i like the lagunitas they have the daytime ipa there's only three carbs in it and 99 calories yeah that one's pretty good i might switch that but i'm gonna try not to buy any beer after i finish i mean honestly like even mick ultra is pretty decent if you're gonna drink beer anyway yeah i don't know if i'm not if i tell myself that i i can't drink then i won't drink so nicole tell us about this new what what's today or tell us about today, Nicole. Well, shoot. Well, can I? Should I use to the day that this comes out? Yeah, if you want. Okay, so today, the day that we are releasing this episode is February second on Tuesday, which is Groundhog Day. So that's a holiday that everybody knows. Thank you, but Bill Murray, for that. Did you know that it is also National Tater Tot Day on Tuesday? Uh, no. Yeah, we have to get some tots. Doesn't then. Sonic do a thing for that? I don't know, oh, but they have. They, they do have tots. I thought they did something for that. I, I fucking know. love tater tots. So, so tell everyone about your thing. So there's there's a point to this, which is um, I have had an idea for a podcast that I've been thinking about for a while, um, and uh, I finally decided it was the perfect time to to launch it. I, I actually probably should have started it back in January, but oh well. Um, so it is called Every Day's a Holiday, and it is a quick couple-minute podcast that I'll be releasing every morning telling you about what crazy, wacky holiday it is that day. There's more than one holiday every single day, so I'm just going to pick one and uh, talk about it, and so it'll be a daily podcast. Yeah, I heard the first episode, got a sneak preak sneak peek, and it was very fun, so definitely check that out. Yeah, I'll... Thanks, Jen. Um... I'll put the episode at the end of this episode for you guys, for your podcast listeners, and so you can see if you like it, and then go subscribe. If yeah, you subscribe, leave a comment. You know, it's a fun way to start your day, because every day it should be celebrated. That's right. That's true, yeah. Some of the holidays are pretty crazy. I was looking through them. Like, one of them is a National Shower with Your Friend Day. Yeah, sneak peek <laughs> for later this week. Uh, oh, that's this week, too? Yeah. Yeah, that's later this week. <laughs> well, you guys Saturday, enjoy that day. Sa- well, you could you could take Murph in for a quick shower. No. Scrub it up, dub. Um, but there's also another sneak preview of a, a holiday that's coming up this week, just so you can plan for it with your kids. Saturday, which turns out the first Saturday of every February, is Eat Ice Cream for Breakfast Day. Really? And it's gone international. That's that's one that's spread. Well, you don't have to have kids to enjoy that. I agree. I mean... Ice cream in the morning? Mm. Ice cream for breakfast day. So if you guys are new here, if this is your first time, welcome. I put all my sources for this episode on talkmurder.com. So go there and click the blog post with this story tonight, and you can follow along. Also, for these videos, this episode right here is on youtube.com just type in talk murder to me and you can actually follow along with us tonight 
We are all on video here, and I have a presentation front and center of the video, which people have been loving. So go there if you would like. If not, you can follow along on talkmurder.com if you want to see the photos and everything. And thank you so much for subscribing and joining us for this story today, tonight. You filled these ones to the top, Jen. Yeah, it's a shot. These ones are the bigger ones. And you conveniently gave yourself the small one. Shot. Surprise shot. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. I'm not going to like this. Yes, you are. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Sweet tea vodka. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That wasn't as bad. Although, um, with these shot glasses, I like, really have to try to get it all in one swig. And it does. You got to open your throat. Oh, <clears throat> burn oh, just a little oh, bit. Oh, they make classes on it. Oh, oh, oh. oh have you taken any? Not just, recently. Or just experience. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the army for several years. <laughs> what does much, that mean? They, well, you didn't have much to do when you were I was overseas. in the army, not the Navy. <laughs> that one's for you, Omar. So the hint tonight for this episode that I gave you all was Spoon. So, Nicole, where are we going and who are we killing tonight? I was trying to like think what begins with an S that I can think of. Springfield, Illinois. That is not a real city, is it? Yes, it is. Yeah, there's like a Springfield in every state. We've talked about this multiple times. Where does the Simpsons live? It's, it's, it's in Springfield, but they don't they never say dis- they never which disclose. Springfield. Yeah. Because there's there's many a Springfield, so I'm gonna say Springfield, Illinois. I'm gonna say it's cannibal story, and I think that the um, killer enjoys eating the uh, victims' brains with a spoon, mm. just like scrambled eggs. Jesus. So tonight's story is for one of our fans. He's been uh, putting some comments on YouTube and the blog. He's requested a couple stories, but this story is for our fan Malachi. Malachi. Oh, Malachi. All right, guys. Tonight we are talking about Robert Maudsley. Has anybody heard of him? No. no. I've heard of his name before. This case is really insane. And I've heard of his name before. However, I never looked into the case. And this is a pretty crazy story. That kid kind of looks like Malachi from the Children yeah. of the Corn. There's not a lot of information on this case, unfortunately. But I'm going to present everything that is is known about it. This guy is still alive, and I'm going to show you who he is here in a second. Where do you think he comes from? His name is Robert Maudsley. And some newspapers spell it with a W instead of a U. Maudsley. Um, I'm going to say that this is in like the uh, uh, Midwest, like Nebraska, perhaps. This, this story has nothing to do with children of corn. I know, but I'm looking at the picture and I'm looking at the farm, like it looks like farmland, desolate, you know, desolate's not right, but far, you know, farming-ish land. So I'm going to, I'm saying Nebraska. I'm gonna and s- I'm also associating with the children of the corn, even though it has no correlation. The best way to do this story tonight on Robert Maudsley is to start from the childhood. He has killed one person outside of prison and three others while he's in prison. Oh, he is still alive right now. He is the, the in prison, I assume. He is still in prison. He's in the monster mansion. And that's a, the a monster mash, a big prison over there. Out of a general population of 600, 500 of them are like sex offenders and violent criminals. Oof. 
like all the worst people are there. Okay. Yeah. So he this is. This is in Martha Stewart's prison. That's what you're telling me here. Okay. So he was actually born two streets away from where Ringo Starr was born. Damn. Nailed it, Jen. Well, originally I said Texas, so I was wrong. Well, where was True. Ringo Starr born? Liverpool. There you go. Robert Maudsley was born June 1953 in Toxteth, Liverpool. Did you know that Ringo Starr is not his actual name? Yes. What is his name? Richard Starkey, I think. Oh. I might be making that Star, up. Star, Starkey? At now, least it's not like a random, you know, going from Stephanie something to Lady Gaga, you know? Germanata. Like I said, there's not a ton on this guy, so I couldn't find out exactly where he grew up. But he was one of 12 children, and his actual father had four children, so he was one of four with that guy, with the father. Okay. Right? But one of 12 with the mother. Gotcha. He grew wow. up two streets away from Ringo Starr. His father was a truck driver. He was abused heavily mm. as a child. What you're looking at now is a photo of him in an orphanage. Oof. Can you kind of describe this for our podcast audience? It's in black and white. And it's kind of hard to uh, make out the details. Four children in a field. Exactly. With like a house or like a barn type looking thing in the background. So that's Robert Maudsley right there in the front. And he looks kind of like a normal child. However, his background growing up in childhood was extremely awful. He was degraded all the time. He was abused heavily by his mother and his father. His father was an alcoholic truck driver. Mm. Not much is known about the mother, but he was abused so bad that he was taken at the age of two. So he was abused up until two baby. years old. Yeah, as a baby. He was taken into a Catholic orphanage in Cropsey Maryside. Wow. After six years in Cropside or Cropsey Maryside, orphanage the catholic orth orphanage his parents both the mother and the father comes back to the orphanage and for some reason adopts him back into the family which was ridiculous why they did because up until his teenage years he was constantly abused and even raped by his father <gasps> repeatedly oh my he was God. locked in the closet for days his father walked in there with an air rifle. Now, this is an, coming from an interview from his uh, nephew. His father walked in there with an air rifle, like a uh, BB gun, and hit him so hard on the back, the air rifle snapped in half. Yikes. <gasps> he would also beat and rape him all the time. Oh, my Starve God. him and just leave him in the closet. And they allowed him to be readopted by his family. Did they know that it was the same family? Like, or did they, they, they falsify yeah, they, anything? No, I, from what I saw, they just came back and, and got him for some reason, like, which I, I don't, again. I don't know why they would do that. Cause it's not like well, they but, took care was of him. Was he taken away from the family? Yeah. The, two years old. They took him away. Right, he was but they didn't, abused. they didn't, they didn't just leave him. They, he was taken from them. He was it's taken like from the child them. protective yeah. services. So that's yeah. interesting that they, came they were allowed take... to take him back. Well, this was also yeah. 1960. Yeah, but or at 1950, the same time. Five. Five, 1955 when this happened. 
Things are a little different. It's interesting. And also to know, I'm, I'm, it's interesting that he was at a Catholic orphanage because in, in England, in the United Kingdom, Catholicism is not the major True. Good point. Um, Catholic, uh, religion. It's, Anglican. It's the yeah Anglican Church, the Church of England, which is headed by the... Because they want to divorce people. Wait, what? Have that be okay. Well, but but the royal family—it's not—it's—it was not okay to get divorced up until recently, in the Anglican Church. No, that's the whole reason why they the church separated because they wanted to be able to divorce. I didn't then realize that King Henry VIII just kept killing his wives yeah. instead. Yeah, which is so much easier. Like right with that whole light fixture that you. <laughs> I was talking about it's actually funny you say that because a light fixture was never even mentioned. I don't know where you heard no, that. No, I totally heard a light like fixture. You were hearing things anyway. No, no. you heard life insurance policy <laughs> that you don't know about that I put. <laughs> <laughs> It's called forging a signature. Moving on. You're right. I do have a life insurance policy. That's the equivalent of my annual salary. Am I on it? You are the beneficiary. Oh, shit. Yeah, Jen. I get I'm... it for free. <laughs> oh, I'll cut all this. No, you won't. Not if I give you a high five. You won't. I'm not stupid, John. This is an episode one. <laughs> if I end up dead... Just no. Ooh, too soon. Yeah. What? Too soon. If I end up dead? Wait till next week. <laughs> yeah, wait till I'm actually dead? I don't understand. No, that was, remember the the, uh, the Josh Powell case? That's what the wife said on the film. She was like, if I end up dead, like. Susan Powell, yeah. Remember? Oh, uh, well, you know. If I end up dead, go to my stepfather's video collection. Oh my God, that was crazy. Damn, that was crazy. Sorry to get us off track. No, but that was that that reminded me of one of my favorite cases we've covered. Do you know if this guy knew Ringo? Uh no, I, I uh, doubt it. I mean, this was, when was Ringo Starr born? Probably the 40s? around the same time. Yeah, like they can't be. I mean, maybe he did. I mean, I don't know. There, there's Ringo's not much. What in his eighties? He's like in his late seventies or eighties. So late thirties, forties. He was born. It's crazy because there's not much 40s. about this killer right here that I could find. But he's still alive. He's still in a maximum security prison. He is the prisoner that has spent the longest time in solitary confinement. Do you want to guess how long he's been there and it, and he's still there today? 50 years. In solitary? In solitary. Oh, wait a minute. Solitary confinement makes you go crazy. I mean, I feel like there's a limit on how much. 40 how, years. How long you can put some. I'll say like three Years. He has been there for over 45 years. In solitary. In solitary confinement. I win. What? I win. You guys are going to see his cage in a little bit. And oh you can, they, they specially built cages every prison he was in, which was like three, two or three. So and does they, he escape from No, he doesn't cells? escape, but they specially build cells for this guy. So he killed one person on the outside, but three in prison. And that's exactly. why he's in solitary confinement. Well, He's I've a been, danger to the inmates. I was watching this show called The Alienist. I don't know if I told you about this, guys. Mm -hmm. But in one of the scenes, I'm sorry, John, this is relevant. Um, they go to visit this prisoner, and he's in solitary confinement. And this is back in 1906 or 1896, one of those two years. And the prisoner is, like, chained at the neck to a pole in the middle of the cell so he can roam around the prison, but he can't, like, Interesting. get to the people if they... Yeah. So I'm sure, I hope that... Kind of reminds me of the, the scene in... Um 
Silence of the Lambs in the beginning too. Yeah. All right. So but that's it, not technically solitary because they're like close in close quarters with other inmates, I guess. Yeah, they're also making a series about a, as a sequel to Silence of the Lambs. So I will go ahead and spoil this. Silence of the Lambs was released seven years after this guy got his nickname, and and I'll show you a side by side comparison of the cells. The producers of the movie actually copied exactly the cell design of Robert Mosley. So is this guy is this a Hannibal, Hannibal story? This guy, yeah, his. Oh, his, I did call that. We're on a roll today, Jim. So this guy, his name is Hannibal the Cannibal. Oh, it's the actual Hannibal. Yes, the, the actual original, Hannibal, the, the original. And his uh, his name is also he's got a few names. Blue, which was his first nickname for choking someone out so long that his face. Just was completely blue. His face or the victim's face? His second nick- nickname, the victim's face. The second nickname for him, which is my favorite, is Spoons. Oh, okay. <laughs> but why? And then his we'll, last we'll out, nickname is Hannibal the Cannibal. And that's where everyone knows him now. And he has spent over 45 years in solitary confinement. What does the Hannibal come from? Yeah. That's what I was about to ask. Because it's not his name. So, all right, here's, that's a that's a great point. The Silence of the Lambs came out seven years after this guy achieved his publicity mm-hmm. for doing what I'm about to tell you. And then after that, he received the name Hannibal the Cannibal. After everyone saw the movie and was like, wow, that is literally Robert Maudsley's cell and exactly how he acts. And they, so, they modeled this that movie off this guy. So so he got the nickname Hannibal after the movie exactly. came out. But this movie, uh, but the movie was based on him. him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's a good, great question. Thank you. That is a, good job. one of the best movie series about a killer of all time. And yeah. I've seen it. Yeah. And this movie... Are, I can get through it. This story is... It's so interesting. And the book that we're reading tonight is one of the only books about this story, which is really crazy. I don't think there's much information about this guy because he's in solitary. And there, I want to say before... And we're not going to get into this, but there is a support group out there for him that is trying to get him out of solitary. I mean, uh, he's been there for 45 years. Well, now he doesn't technically want to come out of prison. He's actually told his nephew, I mean, he's he's too institutionalized, but he does want other amenities. For instance, they recently within the last 3 years granted him a PlayStation 2, which he didn't even get PS3, and Call of Duty, that's his favorite game, Call of Duty. <laughs> and he <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you get that in solitary confinement or just because he's been in solitary for 45 he years? Has, he has out served like three wardens of that prison. You get <laughs> I, I get it. He, he uh, And he's like, I don't know if he is but able the, to be socialized with Gen Pop. Even, no, he's not. When, when he leaves his cell for an hour a day for exercise... He's not allowed to talk to any other inmates, is only by himself outside, and he's got to be escorted even to this day by six other guards, one with a dog. I was wow. just going to say, did he f- like fillet uh, his other inmates? <laughs> like he, like in, it wasn't Silence of the Lambs, it was in the second one. Hannibal. No. No, was Red Dragon. One? Red Dragon. I love there that. Yeah. So at 16 years old, Robert Maudsley is out of the parents' home. He left. He couldn't take the abuse anymore. He's been brutally raped 
and abused. I mean, this guy is just completely torn up inside and out, like literally. Woof. He drifts to London because he's from Liverpool. He drifts to London and he starts doing drugs and he becomes a rent boy. You guys know what a rent boy is? We talked about this before. No. A rent boy is... A boy think, you rent? No, think of Andrew Cunanan. He was a rent boy. Oh, yeah. So okay. um, basically a male prostitute and a lot of them... Like a sugar baby. Yeah, exactly. A male prostitute turned sugar... Was it? Sugar, baby. Sugar baby, yeah. So they hook up with some guy with money and they continue paying him. And the first murder was a guy who, according to his him at least when he was talking to his wife, was straight, yet he had this rent boy, and they were together for about six to eight months. I couldn't find the exact timeline of that, Mm. but uh, between those. He drifts to London at 16, like I said. He was a prostitute. That's how he funded his drug habit. He would have sex with a lot of guys unprotected, and the whole time he was high, extremely high on drugs. Mm. Anything, I guess, what was it, the 60s? So LSD? LSD. I mean, anything he can get uh, his hands on. The reason he was so high on drugs is because he was trying to disassociate himself. And he's a young teen. Uh, 16 years old, time. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like you said, I don't know why they gave gave him back to the family. I mean, Jesus. Because they were abusing every one of the kids, every one of them. Mm. So, like... They just came back when he was six and was like, hey, let me let me try this again. I was like, dude, what? All right, so this is the book we're reading tonight. Hannibal the Cannibal Killer Crime Series Volume 7. The true story of Robert Maudsley, Holiday at the Monster Mansion, I believe that says, mm-hmm. by Alan R. Warren. And I actually wanted to find a more definitive book about this case but this is literally all that there is mm, i'm and surprised with it being is the inspiration for it's not and i believe it's because he's in solitary and mm. i think they're trying to kind of not cover it up because everyone knows he's in solitary he still makes the news all the time mm. uh in liverpool in london but i think they don't want to talk about it because they left him in there for so long and there's all kinds of psychiatrists that say the what a being in solitary does, even for like a month. So they left him in there so long, they just don't want to talk about yeah. it anymore. You know, now he's just in there waiting to die type so of thing. So he's in his 70s right now. Yeah, he was born in 1953. So yeah. he's still kicking. He's still alive. And there's a documentary, the only one out there, where he talks a little bit, but his nephew... Hmm actually found out that that was his uncle and they are in communication and a lot of the psychiatrists are trying to get him out of solitary not out of prison but out of solitary Mm -hmm. let's talk about the first victim here he was 16 when he meets john farrell this is the only guy he's killed outside of prison Mm -hmm. john farrell was married he lived on a farm, but his wife couldn't stand the farm work. She leaves, which was fine for him because the whole time during their marriage, and he was a just a day laborer, he would go drive in his car, find a rent boy. He loved Maudsley, you know, his body and his teeth and, and everything else. Gross. And he would have sex with them in the car. However, now that the wife is gone, he can bring them back. 
to the bedroom on the farm, which is exactly what has happened for multiple times. Now, Maudsley was always high to disassociate himself from having sex. You know, he knew he had to do it to uh, get the drugs he wanted, but that was the only reason. They're sitting there on the bed. Maudsley is boinked out of his mind, completely high. And John Farrell goes over to his dresser. He pulls out the top dresser and he's got some pictures some uh you know those not digital but the the actual Mm -hmm. pictures polaroids this john farrell he's like hey i want you to see these photos because they really turn me on they really get me off and he shows them to mosley now mosley's flipping through them and they're they're other boys rent Mm -hmm. boys however they're a lot younger than Mm. Robert Modsley. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are like 12-year-old, 10-year-old boys. and So that triggers him then. Yeah, exactly. Tell me why. Because he was abused so yeah. frequently, and so he he correlated, Snapped. yeah, he correlated that those pictures with abuse that he suffered. Exactly. So the whole time when, as Jen said, when he was living with his dad, he was getting raped in the closet and all kinds of stuff. Now, he didn't have... Even in the closet, he didn't have a bathroom or anything. He was locked in there for days. His dad would come in there and rape him and then just kind of, I mean, it was bad. So Mm. this guy is now pulling out photos of these 10-year-old, 12-year-old boys. And this is what he says. This is from the book Hannibal the Cannibal. Now, this is may not be exactly what he said, but this is kind of the narration behind that. This is what John Farrell said. They're some nice little boys that did what their daddy told them to do. They did what I wanted them to do. Those little bitches took my cock real nice like you're going to do. You got to do it with an English accent there in England there. All right, go ahead, Jen. Do it with the English accent. There's some nice little boys that did what their daddy told them to do. They did what I wanted them to do. Those little bitches took my cock real nice like you're going to do. (laughs) So this guy, John Farrell, he pulls out these photos. They're 10, 12-year-old boys. Exactly like Jen said, those bitches took my cock real nice, you know. So he's got a problem with this because now he's he's trans trans migrating back to his childhood where his dad. I uh, yeah. I also feel like sorry to interrupt. I also feel like him saying "daddy" in that didn't. Help. Oh yeah, daddy. Mm-hmm. So basically, I mean, they've had sex for the last eight months and there's never been a problem. But now he pulls out these photos and tells him he's going to take his. Wiener, like, like he's the daddy. Ugh. Gross. Continue. Maudsley was super high at this point. He started to come into what he later refers to as, quote, the fog, end quote. Reminds me of Elizabeth Wetlaufer, the nurse that had the red surge. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's like a killer thing. He... Goes over to a chair. There was a rope already on the chair used for binding each other. And it was, it almost looked like a noose already. He takes the rope. He also picks up some wooden hangers. And he said, quote, this is exactly what he said, quote, I'm going to give you what you deserve, end quote. Now. He jumps on the bed. He takes the rope. He ties it around John Farrell's neck. He takes the wooden coat hanger and uses it as a garret. So he basically, like a tourniquet, right? right? Ties around. And then at the back, he puts the hanger in there and uses it to 
to twist the rope. Right. So it's getting tighter and tighter. Now, John Farrell thought this was a sex act at first, so Mm -hmm. he went along with it. That's how he... That's how Maudsley got to jump on top of him to begin with. Okay. He thought he was just foreplay or something. But then the rope started getting tighter and tighter and he couldn't breathe. Mm. And this is from the book Hannibal the Cannibal. All Maudsley could see was the pain and fear in the faces of the boys in the pictures. This triggered his memories of being eight years old, his father coming into his bedroom, snapping his belt loudly, pushing him down onto the bed and ripping the pants off him with such anger. Robert remembered how his father slowly entered him from behind, and no matter how many times he screamed, his father kept thrusting. After his father finished and Robert, he pulled out and he could feel blood running out of his ass. Jesus Christ. If you want to read this, this is also from the book. I'm using this because it's pretty you know, detailed. And Jen, you can read the last quote when she's there. Realizing quickly that this was not a sexual game, Farrell began to fight. He tried to grab the rope and hang her, but Maudsley's rage had taken over, and he was too strong. With both hands, Maudsley continued to twist, no matter how hard Farrell fought. Soon Farrell ran out of oxygen and started to get dizzy, and Maudsley suddenly stopped twisting. He brought himself so that he was face-to-face with Farrell. Farrell was still alive, but his face was turning bluish in color. Maudsley looked directly into his eyes and said, Was this what you wanted, Daddy? Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> oh, shit. So he knew that he was going to get caught after this. There's a dead person there. And, you know, he was, he knew that this was going to happen. He goes, he actually gets transferred. Now, this is a photo. I'll put this on talkmer.com. This is after the other murders. But like I said, there's not much on this case. The photos are just not there. So this is one of the only photos that you can really find. He was arrested and got a life sentence at Broadmoor Hospital for the criminally insane. This is the hospital it was built in the mm-hmm. late 1800s. And back then, the mental hospitals, they were called insane asylums. Mm-hmm. They specialized in electroshock therapy and lobotomies and all kinds of Oof. crazy stuff. February 26, 1977. Now, we're going to the Broadmoor Hospital, the place Wait, you just saw. Wait, isn't that your birthday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Him and another inmate, David Cheeseman, they grabbed a convicted pedophile, okay? And what you're going to notice about this guy, he's killed four, and they have all been sex offenders. So, some will argue that he's actually doing the world a service, you know? He's killed four. They're all sex offenders in some way including or his another, first kill. including yeah. the first. And the reason he killed that guy is because he found the, the pictures, photos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been having sex for eight months. The guy pays him. Why would he kill him? You know, him and another inmate, David Cheeseman, grab a convicted pedophile and they were out of their rooms. This was a game of touch football that was being played between all the the patients because this is a a mental asylum. This Mm -hmm. isn't a prison. So they're all out playing touch football. Now they, both of these guys, David Cheeseman and Robert Maudsley had planned this for about three days. They grab a convicted pedophile. His name was David Francis. 
Now, they were all playing touch football together, and they weren't the best of friends, but they were good enough to play football. They grab him, and they push him into a boot room, which is like a changing room. That's what the the um, English people call a boot room. Mm-hmm. The nurses try to get in, but Robert Modsley takes a footlocker, which is a huge trunk, and he slams it against the door. Okay. So no one can enter, but there is some glass windows. And so, so he you, can see what's going on. Exactly. Now, okay. this is the criminally insane asylum. This isn't a prison. I think a prison would have been a little different. But the nurses could not get in to the room. And there were windows there. No one broke it down or anything. Mm-hmm. There were guards coming up. All they could do was watch this event go on. And this event went on for nine hours straight. And they were going to kill David Francis. And they subjected him to torture for nine hours straight. Oof. That's like a work day. <laughs> Longer than, yeah. And we're going to get into the specifics here in a minute, but I want to show you Modsley, what he looks like now. Oh, That's Hannibal the Cannibal. All looks right, like a beetle. On. Yeah. <laughs> it does look with, like a beetle. <laughs> with even worse teeth. All right. What you're reading now, Nicole, is from The Guardian, October 7th, 1977. We love our Guardian. Oh, yeah. I love that newspaper. Um, the headline of this one is Murder Vow by Killer. Mr. Hollis said Mr. Cheeseman was holding Mr. Francis by the throat and pressing something that looked like a knife, but was probably a folded piece of silver paper across his throat as he said, Get out. I've got a blade. So he's yelling at the nurses saying, Y'all, you can watch, but you ain't coming in here. We're going we're gonna to have some fun with this guy. If you want to read this, this is also from The Guardian. At about 1 p.m., there was a sound of beating inside the room. By sign language, Cheeseman indicated that the violence was going on. Francis was heard to shout, Why don't you kill me, John? There was banging and crashing and a very loud gurgling sound, and the sound of showing feet on the floor as if someone was in their death throes. It would appear that about 2 o'clock that afternoon, Francis met his death in that boot room. They actually tied his hands with a flex cord from a record player i try to look up what that was i cannot find it i know a flexi is a disc but i don't know what is there like a strip like a strip used for the anyway not on my record player but they use the uh, flexi cord to tie his hands and this siege what the paper the guardian says calls the quote siege end quote lasted from 11 a.m to 9 p.m as all the nurses of the hospital are set, sitting outside the windows watching in this guy get tortured. And he lasted for nine hours. And Nicole, if you want to read this, this is from Hannibal the Cannibal, the book. This is how David Francis met his ultimate demise. One of the guards claimed that the dead man's head was cracked open like a boiled egg. A spoon was hanging out of his head and a large part of his brain was gone. (laughs) They believed it was Maudsley who took a spoon and sampled Francis's brain. How much was actually eaten was unknown. That was literally my guess, guys. That was literally my guess. I mean, I shouldn't relish in this, but I am. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. 
I'd probably try a little bit. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, Nicole and I were talking about this the other day. Like, I have no interest in trying strange organs, like for animals or people. I have tried brain before. I have not. For what? You've tried a brain? I've tried calf's brain. Ew. Somebody else ordered it and I had a bite a, when we were in what's Hungary. What's it called? Calf's brain. Like, what's the term for it? I don't know. It was in Hungary. What did it taste like? It tastes like scrambled eggs. I only had a bite. I was like, no, I'll stick with my goulash, but at least I can say I tried it. They say if you eat monkey brains, I think that's how- That was in um, Indiana Jones. I think that's how um, AIDS started, I'm pretty sure. Mm. It was something to do with monkeys. That's how uh, AIDS spread. It it could have been eating them. And um, it it may have been eating them, because I know uh, a lot of the tribes over in Africa, they actually consume the brain of the monkey. Could be. And- I, I don't know. I don't know much about AIDS, but so I may be wrong. But anyway, after this, nailed this hint. <laughs> so the guard, yeah. the nurses, and the guards eventually walk in after Modsley kicks out the Footlocker, and he says, "Come on in, yes, come on in. Check out what I did." Now this is after they presented both the both him and Cheeseman, his accomplice raises up the dead body after nine hours nine hours of torture they raise up the body and his head is cracked open like an egg which is just like the hannibal movie there yeah they did like, exactly that was yeah. taken from it too yeah so now you can see the where that was taken yeah. from right mm. so he they lift up the body but he ate his own brain in it, that movie they lift up the body. He ate his own brain. Yeah. yeah. In the movie, he was like doped up with morphine and they had already taken the skull cap off and he, they were like cooking for him and he's like, oh, this is delicious. And meanwhile, he's like eating parts of his own brain. That was a movie. Yeah, but still. It was Gross. the, the yeah, I think, think it was about... the Hannibal movie. The newer one, the, like the one that came out recently. It was one with Julianne Moore. Wasn't Julianne Moore in the... F- no, that was, what's her face? Jodie Foster. Yeah. They lift the body up to display what they've done after nine hours. He moves the footlocker. The guards come on in and they see this guy. His head is completely open. This Because the, they could hear it outside. I read one paper where the nurse was testifying that they could actually hear from the outside of this isolated room. I mean, it wasn't padded, but, you know, it was a, a steel right. room. Mm-hmm. They could hear the guy's head being cracked against the wall. Ooh. So he was cracking his head against the wall. And then when they walk in, the spoon is still sticking out of the brain. Ew. Like a, a bowl of raisin bran or something, like cornflakes. More like jello. <laughs> oh, like a funny. gelatin mold. Crazy, man. Both of those guys, Cheeseman and Mosley, were sentenced with manslaughter. Mosley was moved to Wakefield Prison. Now, he wanted to get out of the hospital, Broadmoor Hospital. And when he moves to Wakefield, that was his plan. But once he gets to Wakefield, he realizes, hey, this is a prison and there's like all these rules and I don't, and I don't really like, like it. Rules. Mm. So this is the prison right here. This is Robert Maudsley in the prison. This is the Wakefield prison. What is called the Monster Mansion now. So he hated the prison. And a few years go by, he wanted to get back to Broadmoor Hospital. And the only way he could do that was to show the guards and the staff and the warden that he was insane. And the only way to do that is to kill as many people as he possibly can. So (laughs) 
that that's what's in his mind. <laughs> he's like, I got to show him I'm sure. insane. <laughs> so he's killed two, right? Mm-hmm. First one out, next one in. Now he's life sentence. Now he's going to kill his remaining two in the same day. Oh. Because he's got to prove he's insane, right? It was July 1978. This is before morning exercise time. He was standing behind the door of his own cell. He had made a shiv out of a canteen spoon, Hmm. and he had invited several pedophiles to come into his cell during exercise time for some exercise time Hmm. for some sex. He was going to have sex with them. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. You you act like you didn't know. One man, Salni Darwood, a 46-year-old sex offender that he had befriended a week before because he planned this whole thing out. He shows up at his... I was about to say it's sex. He shows up at his cell wanting sex. Immediately when he walks into the cell, Robert Mosley jumps on his back and starts stabbing him over and over. And to ensure that the guy was dead because he was bleeding out... Robert Mosley takes a string from the bunk, from his bunk, and garrets it around his neck. Then he held the garret for several minutes, like he always does, to make sure he's finally dead. This is from The Observer, the 27th of April, 2003. According to the other inmates who were there at the time, Mosley set out to kill seven people that day. The first was sex offender Selny Darwood. He lured him into a cell and cut his throat, then hid his body under his bed. Maudsley then spent the rest of the morning trying to find other people to lure back, but no one would go with him. They could all see the madness in his eyes, said one. All right. The next victim that morning was a 56-year-old child molester sleeping in his own bed. Maudsley goes in there. Now, this is right after the first killing. This guy... This inmate, Salni, is actually pushed under Maudsley's bunk, mm-hmm. way under there, with the, the string still wrapped around his neck, connected to the bed. Because the bed, you know, you yep. you pull it apart, and it's got the, you know, like the fabric. You pull it apart, and then you wrap it. So it's still connected to the bunk, and then he's pushed under the bed. And guards are going to find that after the second murder here. The next man is William Roberts, 56-year-old child molester, and he was sleeping in his own bed. Maudsley just walks in there when he's taking that nap during exercise time and stabs him over and over. The guy falls to the floor. Then he drags his dead body, or his dying body, he wasn't dead yet. His di- He drags his dying body over to the cell wall. And if you want to read this, this is from the book Hannibal the Cannibal. He grabbed Robert's head with both hands and smashed it against the wall with such force that you could hear cracking the skull with each hit. Each time Robert's skull was smashed, another piece of brain matter loosened and fell to the floor. Maudsley was so caught up in the attack, he wouldn't stop until there was almost no skull left in his hands. Only soft, wet brain matter. Gross. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So from the Observer newspaper... Remember the first victim that was tucked under the bunk mm-hmm. when the guards finally found and that guy and pulled him out. There was a spoon sticking out of his ear. Oh, no. So his his head was still intact, you know, because he just got his neck slit. Yeah. And stabbed a bunch of times, 40 times. But the spoon was actually sticking out of his ear 
And when the guard pulled it out, it says, quote, brain matter spilled to the floor, end quote. Ew. I don't know you could do that through the ear. <laughs> yeah, I guess it you... was so far in there. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Woof. No, man. Nuts. Okay. When the judge asked him about these attacks, Maudsley admitted that every victim he's killed so far, and he's killed four in total, were the imaginings of his mother and his father. So mm-hmm. he associated his parents on the victims during the attack. Mm-hmm. He was sent to Parkhurst Prison on the Isle of Wright in 1980. He spent three years under observation of Dr. Bob Johnson. And I'll put the an interview with him on there. He talks about how Robert Mosley was making a breakthrough because this story, a lot of this story is, should he even be where he is right now? Can he be rehabilitated? This, that, and the other. Into general population prison. Exactly. Or or maybe even completely rehabilitated because the guy is obviously mentally unstable. He is not fit to be with society be also because of how long he's been in solitary. Like he can't exactly. function in the real like world no I, matter what. I, yeah, I feel like it's beyond. Once you once you go But also he killed four people, so I don't think he should be regardless. Right. Yeah, but solitary I, confinement for forty five years, that's excessive. I think that it's I don't know, maybe it's just me. I mean, I think it's justifiable um to have him in solitary confinement. Maybe I I don't know about forty five years. It's like, not it's not exactly solitary though if he's playing ps2 in his free time yeah. well that like is just recent that's of 2017 yeah i mean i mean he's been through several wardens i'm not saying he should get out i'm saying what a lot of the supporters of him are saying now so bob johnson dr bob johnson a prison psychiatrist they were making a breakthrough three years and this guy you'll hear him talk a little bit he was actually Uh, learning to control his anger and getting through childhood issues. But after three years, they suddenly moved him back to Wakefield prison in 1983, stopped the whole rehabilitation dream, and they put him in solitary for the rest of his life. And now you have other guards coming in because one of the reasons they want to see him with more amenities in the prison is because he's got the name Hannibal the Cannibal and all this stuff, and that's kind of stopping him are the guards are all scared of him even the brand new guards that you know mm-hmm. and he's seen guards come and go he's seen wardens come and go and the, and he's got this this uh stigma behind him which i believe is warranted <laughs> i mean literally what the mm-hmm. fuck and you know he's been in solitary for so long so all the guards are scared of him anyway all right can you read this, this is from the calgary herald march 11th 2000 this is Currently, I know it's 2000, and there are updates even as of 2020 about this guy, which you know we'll kind of talk about here in a second, but this is from 2000. Monsley spends his time reading and writing to psychiatrists with a ballpoint refill. He is not allowed the barrel of a pen for fear that he will use it to attack prison officers. He has been disowned by most of his family. His father, George, has died. His mother, Jean, who contacted her at home in Liverpool at the weekend, said she didn't want to know. So what you're listening to now is just a little bit of his voice. I just want to kind of show you uh, what he sounds like before we end this. This is him talking about uh, his life in prison and that he doesn't want to get out because he's not capable of being a, a regular person. He's 
he's violent, stuff like that. But he does want better amenities. This is him talking to his doctor, Bob Johnson. How would you describe the progress, the progress that you're making? The, the, the progress of today, I think you've, you've come more into the room with me, mm-hmm. you, even though we're at a distance. Uh-huh. I'm able to talk about things, a lot more, a lot more things today yeah. than I was able to say six or more, nine months ago. I mean, honestly, guys, that is... That's all the information about this guy I can get. So did he, so I'm assuming when he killed people in prison, he was charged with those murders and he's like got, you know, he had maybe life in prison before and certainly still does. Oh yeah. No, he's serving four life sentences. He's never getting out of prison. Good. Yeah. I mean, but there are, there is a support group out there for him to get him better amenities. And even I agree with that, man. I mean, come on, solitary confinement. You need six guards to like carry him an hour a day. I mean, well, that's maybe, just a maybe little. Maybe they do. I don't know. Well, I don't know. It's tough because when you think about it, like his first kill obviously was triggered because of the the pictures. Then you know when he started to kill people again. The second one was you know they're all sex. The all four of them are sex offenders. But then when you, especially when you think about the last two, he did those on purpose because he wanted to get moved to back to the hospital. So like he was. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a line between. No, I'm not saying put him back in gen pop. I'm saying giving him more like a, a. Right. No, I know. You know, make him live comfortable. He's almost about to die anyway. Yeah, I know what you're saying, I guess. I, just, I mean, it's just almost like. You, if he killed children, that's one thing, but he's killing child molesters. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and that's where it's saying. tough. I mean, no, like I said, no one deserves to get killed. If anyone did, I would say probably those people are at the top of the list, but. But, you, you know, it's not like he was triggered by something that they did necessarily while he was mm-hmm. with them. Like this first victim, the second, t- the last two victims he did intentionally. In prison. They were already in prison, yeah. too. Like they were, you know what I mean? Like it's not like they were free men walking yeah. around being child molesters. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So he's still there today. Well, and he's kicking. As he should be. At one point I was reading, he refused the prison haircuts and they started calling him Wolfman. All the prisoners, even though he doesn't interact with them, they're all scared of him. The guards, the new guards, they're all terrified of him. He's got, you know, the Hannibal, the cannibal. He can't shake that name. He is still to this day after and when he was in, I think, 1983 is when they put him in solitary. So even today, it takes six guards every day for one hour they bring him out of the cell. One of them has a, a dog with him, and they let him exercise. Even though his nephew said lately after he got Call of Duty, he doesn't even want to go out. He just plays Call of Duty. And I do want to say, all right, so the nephew is trying to, if you watch the documentary with the the nephew in it, he talks about how he wants his uncle to get better treatment. But there was an incident a few years ago where he he a guard opened the cell to give him his tray of the plastic tray and Robert Mosley took it and started beating the guard over the head with a plastic tray and then when he was asked about it he said what I mean it was plastic come on what's this guy complaining about like he's only plastic he's not gonna kill him <laughs> I'm like dude Jesus. what the fuck it's like shit bro <laughs> but there is a big support team out there not big I mean moderate yeah. moderate you know trying to at least get him some amenities <laughs> well, I don't know. I think he can still play Call of Duty 2 and PS2. At least he's going to PS3, man. We're no. at a PS5 right now. 
<laughs> and we have none. So Yeah. So that's the story on Robert Mosley. This is for you, Malachi. Thanks, Thank you Malachi. So Thanks, Malachi. much for requesting this story. If you're a Taco Supremo, you can request stories on the forum. Obviously, I take those into consideration before any ran uh any other fan, you can go to talkmurder.com slash join to become a Taco Supremo and be part of the community. However, if you want to request a story and want me to see it, make sure you go to the blog, talkmurder.com. On the YouTube comments, we don't even moderate or even look at those, so I'm not going to be able to see those. Those are for you guys. Go to talkmurder.com, and on any post, you can request a story just like Malachi did. And if it's good and if if it interests me, I'll get to it, and I'll do it for you. And all of our existing Supremos, don't forget to reach out to us so we can get you access to the new forum. Exactly, yeah. So you guys go to talkmurder.com slash join and reach out to me there. So that's it. That's all I got on Robert Modsley. Very interesting case. It definitely opened up some more cases for me uh, related to this, and I want to cover them eventually. But thanks again, Malachi. And my name is John. I'm here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. Tuesday, February 2nd, which means it's Groundhog Day, a day where Puxatawney Phil sees his shadow or not. But today is another special day that I'm sure you didn't know about, a day where we feature one of the most gloriously versatile foods that is a heavenly dose of starchy carbohydrate no matter its form. That's right, folks. Today, we are celebrating the potato in one of its funnest forms. It's National Tater Tot Day. Welcome to Taco Cast Podcast. Every day is a holiday. No, really, it is. There are some holidays that are ingrained in our lives that build anticipation of celebration. Did you know that literally every day is a holiday? I don't know about you, but I love having a reason to celebrate every day. Whether it's your favorite foods day, thank your neighbor day, or something else totally random, happy holiday to you. National Tater Tot Day is a relatively recent invention that began in 2009 with its humble beginnings from a food writer's attempt at filling his copy quota. Well, once it was tweeted into cyberspace, it became a glorious instant hit, as if the world needed a reason to celebrate this starchy, crunchy, yet soft masterpiece. Here are some amazing facts about this tot-tastic treat that perhaps you know best from Napoleon Dynamite. Tater tots were first invented, or at least named, by Orida, or Oregon, Idaho, if you didn't know, in 1953. Tot reduce waste. They're actually made from leftover parts of french fries. By eating these fluffy potato babies, you're reducing potato waste. Go you. But they weren't always a go-to staple because of that reputation. But with clever marketing as tots, they became even more expensive. Next, there's a bunch of names for tater tots. Actually,
Actually, the word tater comes from the word potato, but they're also called potato rounds, potato puffs, tater puffs, potato cylinders, potato nuggets, potato croquettes, baby taters, and if you're in Australia, potato gems. They certainly are gems, at least here in America. We love them, consuming 70 million pounds of tater tots annually. What better way to celebrate National Tot Day than going to go eat some? Whether you pick some up at the drive-in or attempt your own homemade version, go get yourself some potatoey goodness. Happy holiday, everyone, and I'll see you tomorrow.